Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton. Now our guest, he is the leader of one of BC's largest and fastest growing technology companies. Traction On Demand was founded more than a decade ago. It's tackling Salesforce consulting, app development, and a whole lot more. The company has also made it its mission to incubate a lot of other technology companies here locally. With us now, it is Greg Malpass. He is CEO of Traction On Demand. Thanks for joining us, Greg. Tyler, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for uh, taking the time with me. So I got to ask, it's been a year since the pandemic upended our daily lives. What was your initial reaction as things all played out back in March of 2020? It's a, it's actually a really good timing for the question because it was March 11th was my last day in the office. And in the last day I was, I was in the office, I, well, my, my office, we basically thought, well, you know, this is probably going to be a couple of weeks till everyone kind of gets organized. Let's just make sure we're really mindful of, of what's happening and not put anybody at risk. Um, and, and my, my office door was locked and I went back 365 days to the day. So just this last week I went back into the office and my, it was terrifying pilots. My coffee cup was still on the table. And so I kind of saw it, it was, I went back, literally felt like I'd vortexed back an entire year. You know, I think, the initial reaction from my perspective was, you know, I think, I think everyone was talking quite a bit about just the responsibilities that we have as leaders. And, and so we shut down all of our offices globally, March 11th, and told people, you know, grab what you need. Uh, we'll probably be working from home for a little bit. You know, we're, we're a tech-enabled services company, so we sh- sure hope we can, we can figure this out. And, um, you know, we'll, and we'll, we'll adapt as we see fit. I never thought it'd be a year plus, and I can say definitively, we are not going back to the old way of working. What does that mean on maybe kind of the most basic level? Does that mean just uh, remote working 100%, an adoption of a hybrid model, or just different ways of thinking about how you guys work as a technology company? I think, well, it, it is a hybrid model for sure. So the, but it's, when we look at a hybrid model, it's actually it's rethinking even real estate altogether. So what we're, our vision is of the future is, you know, we're going to have kind of major gathering centers where we onboard people, where we onboard customers, probably places that could fit up to upwards of a hundred people potentially as our largest facilities. Um, and, and those be kind of call it cultural infusion centers. Um, then, uh, then the other piece of it will be gathering centers. And you know, what we're looking at is we're looking at, at, at things that just naturally had come together, even pre pandemic coffee shops, you know, coffee shops make a ton of sense and they made a ton of sense before because they kind of this hybrid area where you can kind of go get a little bit of privacy, immerse yourself in thought, get some work done, you know, collaborate with others as, as need be. So we're actually considering building out co- our own kind of version of coffee shops and putting those close to where people live. So they're not, you know, not having to go to these central hubs. But then the other thing we're thinking about is what's the role of the home? And, you know, my, my overall goal is for us to consume less real estate commercially uh, as traction on demand. Um, but then we're, we're not looking to save money. So we're starting to think about, well, how can we turn some of that nexus even back into the, to the employees to help them with the increasing cost of housing and, and challenges there. So I, I really do think, I think people will come into an office space of some sort, one of these, one of these kind of gathering points. My hope is a couple days a week, 
Um, I think I think we need that just for creativity and brainstorming and connection. Um, but also, what what has proven is we're way more productive when when we have an opportunity to work without interruption. And you know, Traction's culture was quite interrupting, so I think it's I think people have actually appreciated that. I'm curious about that play with regards to reducing, say, you know, your commercial real estate footprint, though. You guys have a very cool office over there in Burnaby. Would you imagine just kind of downsizing what you have or, or turning it into some sort of blended office where maybe you can lease out parts to other companies, use that space as needed? Do, have, you, have you thought that far ahead at this point? Yeah, we've already started uh, leasing spaces, uh, leasing out some of the major space. We will kind of retain... I, like I said, about a hundred people would be the optimal for, let's say in that Burnaby location. Um, so we're really looking at investing in, in a, about a 10 or 12,000 square foot space that will just be beautiful and something that people would really want, want to go and visit. Um, but the, yeah, the, the major for us, kind of the major headquarter strategy just makes no sense. And what's also happened is We've been very open to people relocating and we've seen uh, a good number of our, our team move to the interior, Okanagan, the island, somewhat right across to Nova Scotia. Um, and, and so one thing we've always committed is we'll follow them. And, and so I, I kind of see traction really, really kind of distributing itself throughout, throughout the country. You know, we spoke a couple of years ago about this idea of like developing like those pods. And I think you were just alluding to that, you know, such as uh, I think we we're talking specifically about like something in Nelson going on where you can have like a smaller space with like a smaller group of people uh, working with each other. Is that is that kind of the idea moving forward or is that kind of changing a little bit as you guys adapt to the new realities of the pandemic? Well, let's take Nelson as an example. So before kind of pre-pandemic, we 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 were renovating the Nelson Legion building. So the Legion was still gonna operate in the basement and we were kind of upgrading the, the actual facilities to kind of class A office. And kind of, and the vision was to have about 40 people who would work full time out of that Nelson office. Now we're saying, well, let's look at the Kootenays, not just Nelson. Let's make that a, a hub where people would come a couple days a week, so long as they don't have to drive across icy roads. Let's expand our hiring footprint beyond Nelson, let's look at Kasgar, Trail, Salmo, Weimar, Roslyn, all the other areas around in the Kootenays. And, um, and, and so, and that office should facilitate not 40 people now, it should probably be about 100 people, because not everyone would ever be there all at the same time. And so it's, we're, we're doing our best to try to reuse, of course, what we what we started on, on the investment cycle there. But the other side of it is, you know, when I look at Vancouver, you know, in Burnaby, what we did on, on this one, I think we need to kind of, we need to look at cities almost like a mosaic of communities. Like we're actually taking that small town strategy and we're saying, okay, well, why don't we treat Burnaby like a small town? And why don't we treat Coquitlam like a small town and Port Moody and Maple Ridge and, you know, Vancouver's, Vancouver's probably about 10 small towns, right? So let's look at the, you know, the east side, the west side, west end, and start looking at how traction could actually have these coffee shops, these kind of coffee shop or gathering points in all these areas. But what's really kind of exciting is you start thinking about that. One of the challenges with, with real estate and commercial real estate is companies 
occupy it, right? We, we take it over and while we're there 40 hours, maybe 50 hours a week, it's empty, right? And with this gathering thinking, we're actually starting to invite conversations with other entrepreneurs to say, we don't need the space after 5 p.m. So, you know, maybe what we can do is we can help secure and back the lease and you can operate a thriving business when, when the consumer, when the consumer world becomes more available or interested in, in kind of touring around. So I think some really compelling economic models are going to come out of this. And this might be supposition on your part, but I'm curious about whether you think that other tech technology companies around the region might start adopting something similar and that will have kind of a very different real estate reality moving forward in Metro Vancouver, especially when it comes to forward thinking technology companies. I think so. I think um, you know, the, the, the hardest part of, of, let's say the pandemic from a change in strategy perspective, from my perspective, uh, was almost a realization that we weren't trusting our employees enough. You know, why were we asking everyone to come into a single consolidated space every day? Why was that so important that we showed it at the same time? And the truth is we've learned people have different patterns and we've had to trust them. You know, the change was so fast and so sudden, nobody could put systems in place. And it certainly wasn't, it wasn't appropriate at a time where we're worried about people's safety to try to create some sort of enforcement or new policy. So we've operated on goalposts and hope has been a bit of a strategy where it's look, we've got to trust people are going to do the right thing. What they've shown us is if you know, with that trust, they've applied it in, in ways that we just we, we couldn't have imagined. You know, if you look at what's happening on the software portfolio, we, we've launched, we launched a software company during the pandemic. We created a product, built a team and, and successfully sold into, sold into customers. And, you know, it's one of the fastest growing startups we've ever done. And all that innovation happened without people ever sitting in a room together. And to be honest, you know, we, we even have situations where one of our managing directors, of one of our software companies, he was in the US in Portland, quite concerned around just health and safety during peak COVID down there. He flew his family to, to uh, Singapore. And he's been in Singapore working hybrid North American office hours for six months now. And so it's just, I would have never thought that would work. And the truth is people are making it work. I'll say this. I, I used to work in Asia. I would not envy trying to figure out those hybrid hours, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, props to him. Um, I, I'm curious, but why Why is it so important to you right now to kind of nurture a lot of these you know, uh, companies that are exist? Like I, I'm thinking of a company like Traction Guest, for example, that's um, like their product is in super high demand at this point. They could not have foreseen, say, the the advent of a uh, pandemic. But why is it important for you to kind of develop and nurture a lot of these companies uh, here under uh, under your own roof or maybe more of a metaphorical roof uh, as things might be right now? I think the, the level of innovation that comes from BC is incredible. I think we have some of the brightest minds in technology and, you know, obviously in, in biotech and energy. But for some reason, we lack, we lack the bravery to run the whole course. And I don't know if it's even bravery, Tyler, but I think, I think we, we see these companies sold so quickly, so early. 
And, and what, what we really are losing, well, there certainly is an economic benefit. It's really hard to start a company. You know, I've, I've thought a lot about, you know, what would it be like if I had to start traction again? Would I actually have the energy? Would I do it again? And the truth is probably not. Because once you have kind of scale and infrastructure, you have this ability to, to assure success a little bit. You know, it's actually a lot less risky to launch a new software company for us. We, we work with thousands of customers already. We can ask them what they want versus guess what they want. So as we started looking at traction, our shared services model, the team, you know, we, we've hired 200 people so far this calendar year. And, you know, the, it's what we've come to kind of realize is we're actually almost more of a platform than just a company. And a huge motivation from my perspective is, you know, we talked about this many moons ago around, you know, hundred companies in 10 years. The number was a bit of a guess, um, but what's really interesting is our, our companies are starting to incubate companies. And, and what's been really fun is, is learning about even the leaders, recognizing that some people are more suited to a stage of a company. Other people are more suited to a category, meaning wanting, wanting to grow with the, with the organization as it scales. Um, and I kind of, I just, the, the real power is the trust that you're building between between these people to innovate together, share ideas, you know, traction complete, much of their, um, their kind of uh, process and UI UX, they actually collaborated with traction guests to figure out how to do it. Uh, and so we kind of had the benefit of two companies collaborating on this backend infrastructure that's become incredibly strategic to them. And so I think that's one thing is we can, we can drive a much stronger sharing community and then, of course, we can set these organizations up to actually truly scale. So you're in the midst of hiring hundreds of people already just in the last little while. Um, what is the talent play at this point, though? Because there is kind of a global shortage of this uh, high-end technology talent that you need. How do you kind of navigate those demands versus what's actually available? So 90% of the team that we build attraction had not not done what we do before. Some were in the technology space for sure. And we just had to teach them the Salesforce stuff. Uh, others were very, very far away. So there's, so education's always been a part of our growth. We've always kind of pursued really, you know, smart, capable people. And then we've, we've kind of trained them on the skills. As we look at growth, you know, I think what, what we need to do, and this is a big part of even our regional location strategy, we're looking across all markets. We're looking where people are moving and we're trying to figure out how to put the jobs there for them. We're also partnering with the schools. So we have a great relationship with Simon Fraser University as an example. We're actually co-teaching courses with SFU and they're bringing those courses to our customers as well to help our customers upskill. And so we've really embraced this notion of enablement. And, and as you start building that capability, you know, I think, I think people want to commit and grow with a company so long as the company is prepared to commit and, and grow with them. So we're doing our best to kind of to continue to do that. It is, it's very competitive out there. And it's, I think it's a great time to be, uh, to of course be in the technology industry or even interested in the technology industry. Well, this probably isn't directed at you um, specifically with regards to traction, but I'm wondering if you can speak to kind of the broader technology industry here. If um, Should people be concerned, though, if you can work anywhere, 
you can work remotely. Why not just hire people in, say, Romania or India that might just be as qualified as somebody here in Vancouver, but their salaries are going to be much less. The cost of living in those locations is going to be less. Should you know people like coders be kind of uh, a little bit worried right now if they're going into you know courses um, locally? No. Uh, there's two ways I'll tackle that one. Uh, the first thing I'll say is there's mercenary and missionary. Consumers are voting with their dollars now. I think we're seeing the rise, you know, we're seeing this in, in let's say, consumer retail. We're seeing this in clothing, organizations like Tentree. You know, people are really starting to be a little bit more mindful of what it is that they're putting money into and how you treat your employees is a big part of that. And so I think what's interesting and, and what organizations really need to think about is what is their mission? What it, like, and is it a mission that people would want to subscribe to, customers would want to subscribe to? I think that's a really big part of it. The other thing I would say from a global economy perspective is customers, even in our, our world, customers understand what things cost. They know, let's say somebody um, in the, the cost of living in Jaipur is much lower and would make a lower wage than someone who, let's say, might be living in Winnipeg. And they also know someone that's in Toronto might be more expensive. And so customers are, are smart and savvy enough to say, well, I know that this is costing you X, therefore you should give me a, a, a lower price on that. So I think that the overall, it's a global consideration of the movement of talent. I think there's, it's not threatening. Every company is becoming a technology company. We've been talking about this for years. I think this pandemic has really, really accentuated that. Organizations that have been able to digitally pivot are the ones that we're seeing succeed and ones that um, weren't prepared or willing to make those investments are really struggling. And we're not going back. You know, whether or not it's DoorDash or Skip the Dishes or, you know, even food and how that's how that's coming to our doorsteps patterns have been changed and and people are becoming much more mindful of of, of the value of their time and i think that um i think what's really exciting about that is as we build you know the restaurant actually the restaurant industry is a really good example vancouver one thing we take for granted in vancouver is we have this high quality high scale restaurant kind of facility across the, you know, the brands we all know, right? Caxville Earls, um, Tap and Barrel, et cetera. What's really interesting is those organizations are even really starting to look inward and say, okay, what is the future of food? And, and how can we, how can we really kind of adapt to, to the nature of a changing consumer preference and technology is going to be a part of that. And so I think, you know, people that are in the food industry should consider what, op what options they have around in enhancing their technology capabilities because, you know, they need it. So I think we're just going to see this more and more. So uh, jumping off food, going to beverages, uh, when do you think one of those first, you know, quote unquote, coffee shops uh, will be opening up uh, for traction on demand? We believe small towns are going to open first. So the first kind of coffee shop, embedded coffee shop will be in Nelson, likely. Um, we are waiting for Dr. Bonnie to give us a green light in Vancouver. We've already got one primed. It's in North Vancouver. Uh, so there's kind of our pilot site and we're starting renovations in one of our offices already. Uh, so we're ready to open it up when it's safe to do so. The biggest thing I think we're learning is 
you know, we want people to make, make their, the choice for themselves in terms of when they come back to work. So we'll make sure it's, it's very, we have to be really inviting and really productive. So that's, that's the challenge that's in front of our team now. Well, when we're both vaccinated, I'd love to meet up with you in person at one of these uh, coffee shops, check it out, see what the vibe is, how it's going to be different than, you know, what I've grown to expect from visiting a lot of these uh, company headquarters uh, over the last few years. But uh, Greg, I I just want to thank you again for uh, joining us on the show today. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me, Tyler. I really appreciate it. Have yourself a great week. You too. That is Greg Malpass. He is CEO of Traction On Demand, and that is it for the show today, but we will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, go to BIV.com. More stories, more interviews there. I just want to thank everyone for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.